Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Good morning, guys. Welcome to Mercy Commons. My name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here. And this morning, we're going to be continuing in our Genesis. Well, it's not it's like father, like son. We happen to be looking through Genesis. So it's not necessarily a series in which we are going verse by verse, but we're looking at how when we, when we look at our own lives, even, we see these patterns that we have. We see these things that when we look at our parents, these things maybe we've inherited for good. For example, myself, I look at my father and I said, he, had a, he has a really good work ethic. And I'm happy to say that I've, I have some of that as well. But there's also these things that maybe I look at and I go, well, I also have that. And that one's not so, so pleasant. So like my dad does not know how to be emotionally present with me or not necessarily engage with those emotions. And sometimes when my son, for example, when, when he's feeling sad and he's crying and he's just expressing himself, sometimes I don't know how to, how to deal with that. And I feel myself shutting down very much like I see my father. So we're very much like father, like son, like mother, like daughter. And when we look at the book of Genesis, we see our, our spiritual fathers and mothers. We've been looking at how for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now Joseph, there's these patterns that when we, we follow them, we trace them through, we see that they're very similar to us. And yet we also see a God who is equally faithful to his promise, equally faithful to his people. And we can trust and know as we look at the whole story of scripture that he is the God who reconciles people to himself. So we're, we're nearing the end of that series. And like I mentioned, we're looking at um, Joseph now. Sean did a wonderful job last week introducing us to the story of Joseph. And I'm going to be picking up where we left off. And this morning, um, last time we left Joseph, he was betrayed by his brothers and sold into Egypt. He learned the hard way that snitches get stitches. So that was a lesson he learned very much the hard way. Um, and now he has been, he's, he's on his way to Egypt and he's been sold into slavery in the Potiphar's house. And this morning as we look at this story, I think something we can learn is, what I, as I've looked at it and sat with this story, is the idea of wisdom. This idea that as we look at Joseph's time in Egypt, we see a man who is learning what does it mean to be wise? and What does it mean for us as, as a people to be present to, in this world and be a wise presence in this world? How do we speak wisdom to the powers and the structures of this world? In the very same way that we'll see Joseph is able to speak that in Egypt. Wisdom, as described in the Bible, has been likened to a piece of wood, this idea that there's a grain, there's a flow to the universe. There's an idea that there's God's intentions, the way that he intends for man to live, and we follow that, we see, we see blessing, we see a sense of things going well. And often, as we know, for those who have worked with wood, when you go against the grain, you get splinters. And so often we see that when we, we're following in those, we see, okay, there's, there's wisdom to this. And we also see on the other side, as scripture says, the wicked, going against that, there's splinters and there's chaos and there's brokenness. And so true wisdom, wisdom that builds and brings life, does not come from our own strength but from God himself in the journey that he leads each of us through. And then this next story we're going to see that. We're going to see as Joseph goes into Potiphar's household, goes into prison, and finally stands before Pharaoh. We see this, this phase of life, death, and resurrection as, as Joseph is learning, what does it mean for me to be wise as a follower? And, and these are this kind of like upward spiral, so to speak, these cycles of going through that, these cycles of learning about wisdom, of, of going through life, of having periods of death, and then having, um, and then also seeing periods of resurrection, this upward spiral as we become more like Jesus, and, and as God is, is growing us into the people that he wants us to be. And I'm not going to be able to touch on every part of the story. This is a large portion of the narrative. I'm not going to 
dive into every detail. I'd be happy to share some good resources with you. So if you are very curious to know more about Joseph or certain parts of the story, I'd be happy to share those with you. Um, this morning, as, as Sean shared last week, I'm going to be reading out of the message. Um, I think it's helpful for narratives. I'm going to dive. I'm going to dive in and out of the story and, and look at sort of a, then take a step back and see what God is teaching us about His Word. But before I do that, let me pray um, for us this morning. God, we thank you that your word can make us wise. We thank you that all of scripture is inspired by you. Um, all of scripture is good for teaching us about what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to partner with you? And so we submit to you this morning, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would um, teach us. Would you soften our hearts? Would you help us to draw near to you as you have drawn near to us? We thank you this morning that you are the kind God who is working all things together for, us, for your good and for your glory. This in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm picking up. Um, the first stage of this journey, as I mentioned, is life. This whole idea that we're just generally, we're, we're living our life, so to speak. Um, things could be, uh, as we're, we're just living, and we're and from what we know at that time, discovering what is, it, what is good, what is bad, we're just living. And that's where we find Joseph in chapter 39. I'm going to pick up in verse 1. As it turned out, God was with Joseph, and things went very well with him. He ended up living in the home of his Egyptian master. His master recognized that God was with him and saw that God was working for good in everything he did. He became very fond of Joseph and made him his personal aid. He put him in charge of all his personal affairs, turning everything over to him. From that moment on, God blessed the home of the Egyptian, all because of Joseph. The blessing of God spread over everything he owned, at home and in his fields, and all Potiphar had to concern himself. Is eating three meals a day. I love it. It's very, very witty writing for sure. Um, and I think one thing we'll see that this becomes apparent in later stages of this is this line that says, as it turned out, God was with Joseph. As it turned out, and that we see in all of the story of Joseph, God is with him. That as he enters into Egypt, God is still with him. God is still moving. God is still in power. We're going to see that that is very important for Joseph and for us. Because the same promise, Jesus says that he will be with us. For those of us who follow Jesus, God is with us. And I think we forget the, what that would mean, what that means for our life. If, hey, if God is with me, he's with me in everything. He's with me in all circumstances. And I think that's something we can forget pretty easily. And so in, in this stage of Joseph's life, this looks like he's in Potiphar's home and, and things are going well. That he's seeing there's blessing in his household. He's being put into a position. He recognizes he has this gift of administration that he's able to order things and move things. And God is using that to bless, um, to ble- make his name, make most of his name. And this stage, it also might look like in your job, things are going generally well, or right? just in general in life and relationships. You have this sense of like, all right, things are going pretty good, or things seem to be, there seems to be a general sense of God being with me and that things are right in the world. But unfortunately for Joseph, it does not stay that way. We read that Potiphar's wife began to su- attempt to seduce Joseph. And it says, it says that Joseph was pleasing to the eye. And so to, to take a step back for context, that's a phrase that we've seen a lot through Genesis, going back all the way to the beginning. And this is where we see in Joseph's story that we see some, a difference in Joseph's character. We see that like these, these narrative threads are starting to, to show up and, and, and wrap up in a little bit. But we see this phrase, pleasing to the eye, that goes all the way back to our, our Abraham, uh, sorry, to Adam and Eve. And in the garden, they're presented with the same choice to, to define good and evil. Do they do that on 
God's terms, or do they do that on their own terms? And there's this tree that represents the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, represents that in the sense of, oh, it's pleasing to the eye. It's, it seems to be good. It looks good to me. And throughout the story, we've seen that for Abraham and Sarah. We see that now in Potiphar's wife, a sense of, oh, this looks pleasing to the eye. This looks good. What if I, I, I grab this and I define good and bad on my own terms? What if I define this and make the most of it for me? But here we see that Joseph is one of the characters who actually early on is able to see that same decision and say, no, I'm going to define it in God's terms. I'm going to define good and evil in God's terms. And he says to Potiphar's wife, I'm not going to do this. Your, your husband had put me in charge of everything, and the only thing he's withhold from me is you. You're his wife. I'm not going to do this thing. That would be to sin against God. He demonstrates what God is looking for in humanity to partner with him and to partner with him and be able to say, this is good and this is bad on God's terms, not on our own terms. And so Joseph does that. He does the right thing, but it still does not turn out well for him in this case. Potiphar's wife um, is insistent and actually reaches out and grabs onto him, and Joseph has to run and flee from sin. And so when, and when Potiphar comes home, uh, Potiphar's wife says, the Hebrew that you brought into our home, you brought him in, and he embarrassed me. He tried to sleep with me, and I screamed, and he ran away. He just is accusing of, uh, Joseph of something that he did not do or intend to do, and Joseph winds up in prison. And it's easy in this story to say, like, okay, come on, Joseph. You know, you shouldn't have been in that situation, but it's, it's helpful to remember within the story that he's a slave in this household. He probably doesn't have all those same, um, same rights in terms of where he can and can't be, per se. So things do not go well. For, for Joseph. And you too might have moments where we decide to do the right thing. We say, I'm going to do the right thing, and it doesn't work out. I do the right thing in work, and I'm still maybe accused of something. Or it could be actually in other cases where I don't do the right thing, where I am unwise, where I, I'm the one who makes a decision that does not go well, and I'm the one who winds up um, having to face the consequences for that. So in a lot of cases, we are the ones who make the poor decisions, and we're actually a lot more like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, where we're the ones who now are in a situation where it's like, yeah, now I kind of have to eat, you know, eat the humble pie. I have to reap the consequences of my decisions. And Joseph finds himself now in prison. And I just want to say here, um, in, in those situations, I think there is wisdom. If you're accused of something that you did not do, you need wise counsel. You need to be the kind of people who are able to say um, and like not not be taken advantage of, but we need to have the right posture with that. So I encourage you, even in that, as we look at the story, uh, the answer isn't always to say, like, well, I can't defend myself here. I can't stand up. So my encouragement is, like, no, we, we need to be people who can stand up for ourselves, but the difference is the posture in which we do that. And my encouragement, if you find yourself in a situation like that, is to, to seek wise counsel, to seek the help of, and say, what would it look like for me to follow Jesus as a follower of Jesus to act in a certain situation? Um, every situation is different, and the approach to it is often different. So like, like Adam, like Joseph, we find ourselves now going from these seasons of life, these seasons of now, um, I've been walking, and there's this decision that I encounter, and things don't go as well as I thought. Um, a bad decision has been made, I've been wronged, or I have done something that has wronged others, and now I find myself in a season, season of death. Or oftentimes within scripture, the pit, the grave, these different things, the prison, they represent death. So now we're in the season of death, where now we're sitting in the consequences of an action of either being wronged or having wronged somebody. So the exact number of years that he is in prison is unknown, but scholars estimate that Joseph was probably in prison for roughly 10 years. So 
that's 10 years of just being in prison. And yet we often also see in the narrative that God was still with Joseph, that he was brought in as he moves from Potiphar's house into prison, that God is with Joseph and that the prison guard still is putting him in charge of things. You see that gift of administration still working and God still being kind to Joseph even in prison, that God is still sovereign and God is still the one in control and still in control of the situation. So I think that's key that we remember that even as, as Chris shared this morning, is maybe we feel like we're in a season of, of crossing this bridge and in the middle and things seem rocky, that we remember that God is with us. God is still kind. He is still in power in all situations. As Sean mentioned last week, having God with us and having abundant life in him does not mean that we'll always be happy. That God with me in every situation does not mean that abundant life is always, I win at everything, I'm blessed at every, I'm, I'm going to always get things my way, that things are perfect. But rather in that, we see that God's blessing, God's kindness might be in that season of, of that, that hardship, that trial, that suffering, that God still promises that he will be near to us in all of those things. God knew Joseph. He knew where he was, and he was still with him. And he was inviting Joseph to be present to God, to be present to the work that God wanted to do within him. The story does not really give us a purview into what Joseph was thinking, what his days looked like day in and day out, but I imagine he was facing a lot of the pain that he experienced in his life. He, he, his brothers had sold him into slavery, and now, he's, and now he's probably sitting there thinking, God, what is going on? Like, I was just trying to do the right thing, I got sold into slavery, and now I, I was in Potiphar's house, and I... I I did the right thing, and now I'm in prison. God, what are you doing? I imagine that he's sitting there wondering, what is, what is going on in this? But I think in it, um, and I might be taking too much creative liberty with it, I think he's, he's inviting God into his story. And sometimes when we face these moments of pain, it's easy to shut others out. We see this and say, well, this didn't really go well for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to figure it out on my own terms. But I think in Joseph, we see a man who says, God, where are you? What are you up to? What are you doing? What are you building within me? Wisdom that builds and brings life comes from God and the journey he has each of us on. But I think we need to be present to that journey that he has us on. As humans, it can be hard to be present to the reality that we find ourselves in. I think sometimes within the church, we've said at times um, that you know, I'm, a, I'm a totally new creation in Christ. And that means that I can put all these other things behind me. I can set my gaze towards the prize at the end. I'm just going to focus on that. And there's a lot of truth in that. Like we say that and we are a new creation in Christ. The reality is that we can be, we can look forward to the day when we will face Jesus, uh, we'll see Jesus face to face. That we can look forward to that, but often we forget that he's called us to live with him now, that we're to be present to him now, that he's shaping us and molding us to become more like Jesus now. We can forget that, and I think that um, as being on this journey, we need to be present to Jesus in the moment. We have moments like Joseph where we've, where we've been betrayed, where we've been sold into slavery, accused of wrongs we did not commit. Maybe it's the loved ones that have disappointed us, the pain that we've inflicted on others that have inflicted on us, our own simple behaviors. And yes, in Christ, we're new creations. But as Pete Cazero often says, you may have Jesus in your heart, but you have grandpa in your bones. That this reality is oftentimes we, we bring a lot of the baggage that we have, the, or just the reality of living this life with us, and often what God is wanting to do in these moments of maybe as we're becoming more wise, as we're growing into more of the likeness of Christ, is bring us into places where we have to face a lot of that, into these seasons of death, as it were, that we can take a look at that and examine our own hearts so that we may have healing. Our Father's invitation 
to us is to be present to him. As we cry out, as I imagine Joseph was crying out in the night, crying out to God, wondering where he was, I imagine that, that God was also meeting with him, that he was showing Joseph that he was with him, that he was right there. And as we, I think we see Joseph slowly changing his heart, I imagine that he's slowly seeing understanding of his story and wondering, seeing understanding of what was going on, of how he got to where he is, of what God could have been doing, or at least also just accepting his story, accepting this is who I am, this is where I've been, and then being able to look forward and say, God, how do you want to use me to then bless and love those around me? And although Joseph is in um, a season of death, God is still wanting to use him. Roughly eight years into his time in prison, God sovereignly brings two prisoners into um, into the prison, the, the cupbearer and the baker of Pharaoh. God brings them into in contact with Joseph. I think oftentimes what happens is we think when we're in these seasons of, of being pressed, in these seasons of growth, that we're just kind of like, well, eventually maybe God will use me. Eventually maybe I'll have something to say to encourage someone. But I think when we look at Joseph's life, we see that even in the midst of that pain, even in the midst of that growing, God still wants to use him to speak to these, to speak to these men, to still use them to bring about his plans and purposes. We're not useless to God. We're not, un, you know, we're not not going. We're not in a position to not be helpful or not to be known by God. God is still with us and knows us in all seasons. And as we, you know, we can still love people. We can still encourage them. If it, if it was the case that I couldn't encourage someone and couldn't to speak truth to them and speak wisdom until I had my life together, I wouldn't even say a word. I would never talk to anybody because when I look at my own life, I recognize that I am not always a wise person, that I'm always learning. And if I wanted to somehow wait until like, now is the point where I can speak and say something wise and encourage someone towards Jesus, like I wouldn't say a word. And so the reality is that God, even in the midst of it, as he has us on a journey, as he has us sitting our life, wants us to be present to the Spirit and what he might say to encourage those around us. We worship a good God who is forming us and shaping us over our entire life into the likeness of Jesus. And as we partner us, as we partner with Him, we partner with Him in our weakness. For in our weakness, we are strong. God's grace is sufficient for us. And when we face the reality of our life and our present to the work of God within us, we understand more that in our weakness, we are strong in Christ. That it's His strength and His power that we stand upon, not our own. So before we get into as talking about the cupbearer. And the baker coming in. As many know, in terms of this narrative now, we, we come into, they, they share a dream with Joseph. And a quick note on dreams with, within the Egyptian culture that's helpful to realize is that people understood that there would be dreams and that those who practiced divination or were the wise men of Egypt had books to help them understand it. So they had these books, that they'd be able to flip through and say, okay, you saw, you saw a cat, you saw a dog, and you saw this. Okay, this is what it means. They had a book that helped them to understand symbols and these signs, and they could they could figure it out. And so what's radical here is not that Joseph is able to then, um, so that they would be expecting an interpretation. What's radical is that he recognizes that God is the one who provides interpretation. So in the Egyptian culture, oftentimes, um, they didn't think the gods were concerned with them. They didn't believe them, to believe that the gods even cared about humans. It was a system where you tried to earn favor with the gods, but they were kind of absent and didn't concern themselves with what was going on down there with those lowly humans. They're just there to do what we want them to do. And so here what's radical is that Joseph sees the structure of the society. He sees and he knows it, and he's able to subvert it. He's able to speak truth. He's able to speak wisdom into it. He sees a system based on the strength of man and the needless pursuit of the affirmation of the gods. 
he sees in his own story, looking at his own story and his own journey, that God is the one who provides for him, and even in the midst of this pain, that God has still been with him. That, that he sees that man will never succeed at building these towers that reach up to God, as we've seen back in Babel, that as man reaches up and tries to make a name for themselves, that they will never succeed. But he says, no, God is the one who provides. God is the one who will provide the interpretation. All things belong to God. God is the one who, who will make much of man. God is the one who will raise up and bless man through the seed of Abraham. God is the one who will provide for that. And so Joseph is able to say, God is the one who provides interpretations. Not man, not your books. God is the one who is kind and will provide for all things. And he speaks truth. And that's able to then unleash life, is able to bring life into the situation. And then so he, he, he hears the dreams. He provides an interpretation. He tells the cupbearer, hey, remember me. They come to pass, like, like Joseph had said, and then the cupbearer forgets about Joseph. And the next line is, two full years later. Two full years later. I'm a millennial, and we hate, we hate the idea that anything takes longer than like two business days, as, as Neil said, with, with the shipping. But two full years later, I, need, I know I need to be reminded of that. I need to, often we need to remember that living life takes time, that this, this life, it's a journey, it's a lifelong journey of learning these things, not, not just a minute. I think oftentimes in scripture we pass over what are the, like the markers of the passage of time. So two full years later, that's insane. I feel like for me, this is where I am. I feel like I'm in a season of death, as it were. Last year was an incredibly full year for me. Um, there was a lot of really good change, but just moving a whole lot with, with good stuff. And now this year I feel like I'm settling into what, to what God is doing. I feel like um, now it's just a year where I can finally take a breath, but I feel often what I've found in my own story is I'm very good at, at being, I'll be what you need me to be, but I'm still learning. What does, what does it mean for Travis to be a leader? What does it mean for me to be a father? What does it mean to be, for me to be present to what God has called me to? So I feel like for me in this season, um, I'm not sure how long it will last, but I know that God is with me and that he is kind to me and good to me, but he's inviting me into a season of, of death, as it were, where he's showing me different parts of my story where, where he wants to bring healing or help me to understand things and help me to know who I am in light of it and to, to speak truth into that. And so even for myself, as I look at this story or this, this sort of phase of life, death, and resurrection, I feel like I'm in a, in, a seri- in a season of death. I feel like God is wanting to invite me into a season of uncovering those things and help me to understand them. And so from that, from as we, as we move from life, death, and there, there is resurrection. There is life that can come from that as we hold fast to Jesus, as we remember the one who is with us. So two full years later, two years, he is, the, kept, the Pharaoh has a dream, and the cupbearer is like, oh yeah, now I remember what happened. And he, he says, when I was in prison, there was a Hebrew man who, who was able to hear my dream, interpret it, and, he, and Joseph is brought before him. Um, and so one thing as I look at this, I think oftentimes um, we need to remember that God knew the right place and the right time for where, jo- where he needed Joseph to be. And the other thing is I've realized is we don't just wake up and suddenly become wise. I think oftentimes we look at the story and think like, all right, I'm going to pray for just this, this moment. I'm not, and, and God's just going to use me in a powerful way to speak into someone's life. Um, but I think we, when we do that, some, sometimes we treat Jesus as if he is um, only he shows up when I absolutely need him, or I'll call on him when I'm out of my own strength. But Jesus has invited us to follow him 
on a lifelong journey, to hold on to him daily, not just cry to him when I, I absolutely need him, but I haven't been present to what he's been doing in my life day to day. Wisdom grows inside of us as we walk with, with, walk with God on the journey that he has us on. Jesus' call to eternal life is into a relationship. We get to know him. We're present to the things that he wants us to know. We don't just live focused on ourselves and then show up in the situations. Dylan doesn't like that. Ah, yeah, come who's that kid? <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, that's, that's my son. Um, we don't just live our life day to day, show up into a situation and expect that things are going to just go brilliantly if we haven't been present to God in the day to day. So a few weeks ago, Nick showed us an image of two men wrestling. I won't, I didn't bring the image. I will not repeat that. That was, that was a power. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it was, it was a very um, visceral image. I'll say visceral image. Yeah, 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 visceral. But I, I actually have a wrestling story as well, not a picture. I, I, was, I wrestled when I was in eighth grade, which is a surprise to be no way. A lot of people don't believe that. I was awful, and so the no way is warranted. I was, I'm an awful wrestler. But I tried it in PE, and I thought, this will go pretty well. Um, I, I liked the workout. I was a little bit heavier. I liked the idea of getting into shape. So I tried wrestling. Awful at it. So first meet... I show up, and, and usually, as, as those who have done a sporting event, things like that, you need to warm up. So part of that is, you know, you kind of like get in, the, get in the zone, turn on your music, get ready, loosen up. And part of it is, you know, you're practicing moves, you're getting ready to practice those things. And so that's the idea. And I'm going, I'm going somewhere with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This will connect. I promise this will connect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no wonder I suck. Yeah. And so... <laughs> and so we, I show up, and I'm ready, and I, you know, I, I didn't really, I didn't warm up. I wasn't losing out of the problem. So I show up, and, and as I, I square up against this guy, who I swear was not an eighth grader, but was a, a man, I was, <laughs> and so I, I square up, and I was, I was in a weight bracket where I was on the heavier side of it because of my, not because of muscle, not because I was in shape, but because of bad, bad life choices. And so <laughs> I'm in this bracket. We square up, it starts the match, and within 15 seconds, he's picked me up and flipped me on my back, and I'm pinned before I can even think about what's going on. I'm, I'm out, and I've lost my first match. So I kind of, I'm, I'm walking off in a daze, like, what just happened? And my coach looks at me and says, like, you should have warmed up. It's like, yeah, I should have warmed up. And oftentimes, we have that in our own lives. We pray for these moments where it's just like, all right, like, I want to be in it, and it's a good thing to pray for. Like, I want to be used by God. I want to be present for these things, and I want to be in a position where I can, I can encounter someone and speak life and to, and to share those things and speak, but then I'm not doing the warming up, so to speak. I'm not present to what Jesus is doing in my life every day. But that's more of this journey where it is the, you know, the warming up, the, the shimmying, all that. So, <laughs> so that was where the connection was. My wrestling story. We need to be present to what God is doing. And I suggest more often than not, it's what the Spirit has been doing inside of us on that daily, on that daily journey, on that journey that is what the things that he pulls from us as we enter into those moments. For those moments where then Joseph is before Pharaoh, I want to propose that it's out of a journey of having walked through being in Potiphar's house, being in slavery, the things that he's been learning. But then as he stands before Pharaoh, those are the things that God wants to use. And yes, there are times where the Spirit does move and speak in a powerful way where I hadn't been thinking about that, but then God is speaking and moving and speaking words of encouragement, speaking um, words of wisdom, these certain things of prophecy where I couldn't 
picture before that moment, but I think there's a confidence. There's a reality of who I am in light of following God that comes from walking through a journey with him, not just a moment where I have not been present to what he's doing. And so Joseph is brought before Pharaoh. He interprets the dreams and then pulls out his clipboard and begins to provide the administration. So for those who have seen Jeannie, it's probably like she's like, all right, Here's what we're going to do. Here's the, okay, we're going to do, we're going to store up the food for this long, then we're going to put the storehouses here. And then, so he provides this administration. So I think, like I said, um, administration does not get a lot of shout out as a, as a gift of the Spirit. So shout out to people who have the gift of administration. Here it saves lives. Yeah, here it's the gift that saves lives and the gift that unleashes blessings to the nations. Um, here we see Joseph as a man who has grown a lot since he was a slave in Potiphar's house. And he was already. A lot. He was a man who was able to provide administration, and he did the right thing. But I, I, I imagine that through his journey, he's been learning and growing a lot and becoming more wise. The wisdom that, that he now shares with Pharaoh is life-giving. Through the journey that God has him on, Joseph has become more wise. And I don't think this is like a one-and-done thing in our lives. I don't think it's like there's one general journey. There's a journey in the sense of me becoming more Christ-like. I think there's seasons or periods of time. I don't think there's a, a cap on, like, you'll be here for this many years, here for this many years, and here. It could be much shorter. And so I think, for example, in Joseph's own life, we see him, you could imagine he's being raised with his brothers, and then he gets sold into slavery. I imagine that's almost like a period of life, death, and resurrection as he's learning. Snitches get stitches in a very hard way. For myself, I think I've seen this cycle, for example, in, in church planning in Germany. So, for example, my, my wife and I, we have a desire to, to hopefully someday be a part of planting a church in Germany. But we've learned, so we've had this dream, but then we, we, as we have visited Germany, as we've looked into what God might want to do, we've seen that doors aren't opening. We see that in a lot of ways, we're realizing that we're not ready for this. There's kind of that, that moment of realizing, like, oh, maybe this won't work the way that we think it will. And then having been in a period of death of asking hard questions of if this doesn't work out or if this doesn't look like we think it will, what does that mean for us as followers of Jesus? What does that mean for our marriage and our relationship? And so much of it has been, yeah, we're going to do this thing. We're going to go We're going to go to Germany and we're going to be the people that are part of planting a church in Germany. What if this looks a little bit different? Part of that is having to realize, like, well, what... What does it mean for, to me, for me to follow Jesus? What is my identity? Is it in this dream that we have? Is it in this thing that he's growing in us, in us? Or is it in Jesus himself? Having to ask those questions so that in that now coming to a period of resurrection where now we look at it, this was the year that we said we would be moving over there and saying, like, this is the year we're going to pick up and off we go. And look at that and say, thank goodness we're not doing that yet. So there's that wisdom of now saying, I have so much to learn and so much to grow from. And I'm so thankful for the things that God is is preparing in me. I don't know the future, but I know I have learned so much through that journey of, of coming through that life, death, and resurrection, even in that. So I think that this is a cycle more like the shampoo bottles that say, rinse, wash, repeat. And so it's just this, as we move towards Jesus, this upward spiral of that. For us to grow wise, we must, made, we must hold on to the one that who is the wisdom of God. We must hold on to Jesus. We must hold fast to him as he holds fast to us. When I think of people in my life who are, who are wise, they are often not the types of people who are anxious, often the types of people who are rushed. They are people who, maybe there are things that are surprising, but they never, they never feel like they need to be reactive. Wise people seem to me to be more the people who are in the wake of a situa situation to be proactive, not the type of people who are then surprised and 
hit out of left field. I need to react and run and rage culture and all those things. But they're able to be reactive to things, able to be proactive to things. And I see that in Jesus' life. That as the Pharisees come to him, as they speak to him, they try to challenge him. They try to trip him up every chance they can get. And he's not someone who is reactive. He's one who, who speaks directly to him, and his response is often to build and bring life. And that's the thing. When we look at it in terms of what I mean by building and then bringing life, we often see that the Pharisees, though, that he's pruning, that he's cutting, that he's speaking and saying, you wicked brood of vipers. And he's speaking directly to them. And I want to propose that life-building wisdom is sometimes wisdom that prunes us, that it's a pruning wisdom as well. So when we look at Jesus talking about him being the vine and us being the branches, he talks about also our good father, who's the gardener who prunes and clips away things that are not of him, those those lies, like for myself saying, oh, if I'm not planting a church in Germany, I'm not following Jesus well, or that my relationships need to be built around that, that he just comes and says, that's not of me, let's put that off, let's just help you grow through that, that this pruning is a part of the work that he's doing in and through us as well. So as we hold fast to him, he will hold fast to us. We also hold fast to to the word itself. As we look at scripture, is this beautiful library that is able to make us wise, that is good for making us wise for knowing Jesus. And it's important that as we do that, we're placing ourselves in a posture to receive its wisdom. We don't just pick it up and read it and say, like, that was nice, and walk away. But it's the posture of the Spirit speaks to us. That even the book of James reminds us that anyone who lacks wisdom just needs to ask for it, that we worship a good Father who will teach us to be wise. But there's this posture of asking, posture of submitting that we're invited to. And finally, we need to hold fast to community. We need to hold fast to one another as the body of Christ. I love having people in my community who are much wiser than me. In my life group, I'm blessed to have the Everett's and the Sappingtons, these people who have walked through much more life, and I feel like I'm even learning from them every week, because I can't, I can't hold fast to people simply if it's only on a Sunday. I need to be in community where I'm holding fast to people and in life group, and opportunities for weekly, for prayer, for these moments where I'm allowing myself to be known by them. Because in community, we have the opportunity to know others and be known by them as well. So this morning, my, my question is even sort of saying, what, what season are you in? Do you see maybe, as you look at this as maybe a helpful like model, do you see yourself in a, in a season of life, death, and resurrection? Have you felt like you've been able to hold fast to Jesus? Has it been, things have been really tough and it's hard to imagine holding on to a God that you might feel hurt by and these things that you haven't been able to sit and process with? Are you able to be known by community? These seasons of death are tough and they're not easy, but we need one another. We need one another to be able to pray for us and to encourage us. Dan, you can come on up here. We don't need to be afraid to lean on community. Jesus says it's okay to be weak. It's okay to not have it all together. He invites us to trust him, to allow him to shape us and mold us. True wisdom, wisdom that builds and brings life, does not come from our own strength, but from God himself and the journey that he leads each of us through. And we see that in Joseph. We see that he's, he's brought through a season of, of life, death, and resurrection in Potiphar's house in prison and before Pharaoh. We see him speaking before Pharaoh in a way that unleashes life to the nations. Uh, God promises Abraham that through Abraham there will come a seed that brings life to the, to the nations. And ultimately we know that that's fulfilled in Jesus. Even within the story of Genesis, we start to see a glimpse of that. We see a glimpse of that in Joseph, a man who is wise, who is able to partner with God in knowing good and evil, able to follow him. As Potiphar says, 
Is there no other man who is filled with the Spirit of God? And for those who follow Jesus, we have that same Spirit. That same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in one of us. What lives in us. So that, so that as we go about our day, we're able to partner with God in reconciling heaven to earth. To speaking life into situations. Life that, that builds, that brings blessing, that reconciles heaven to earth. That prunes, that cuts away, that, that pushes back the lies of the enemy. And, and, and wisdom that brings life. We worship a God who confronts our own definitions of wisdom. The wisdom of cross is folly to the world. It's the wisdom of laying down our life to serve others. The wisdom of poverty, sin and death through death, it's, death itself is a radical idea. We worship a God who sees the up, who looks at our kingdom, the kingdom of this world, and flips it upside down. We worship a God who sits upon the throne. The God that transforms us in his presence. If you're exploring the claims of Jesus this morning, I'm happy that you're here. And my encouragement is to continue to explore, to come and join us on community, to come and ask questions, who is this God that you worship? To allow yourself to be open and say, who, who is Jesus? To ask those questions. I believe that in following, through following Jesus, we become truly human and begin to experience life as it should be. We begin to have everlasting life as we follow Jesus and partner with him. Joseph gives us a glimpse of that. Like I said, ultimately Jesus is the May we be a people that hold fast to Jesus as he holds fast to us and helps us become wise people who then unleash a blessing to the nations. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are King, that you are Lord, that your presence changes people, that as you are with us, as we are present to you, that you're able to transform us, you are able to shape us and to mold us, you're able to bring us through seasons of life, death, and resurrection, that those around us might be blessed, that we might become more like you and to be wise people who are not anxious, be a people who are able to speak life, and a people who are able to bless others and invite them into your kingdom as well. So I thank you, Jesus, that you are good, that you are kind, and that you want to do this for the sake of us knowing you, for the sake of your name being made glorified in the nation. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.